Well, hi and welcome to Dorchester Community Church. And as of last week, I'm pleased to say I'm not here on my own. Here's the proof. You see, look at that. Look at that. A sense of togetherness. We trust that if you're watching this or if you're here uh, today, that you will have that sense of God being very here with you. We're going to commit our time together to God now. So we're going to open with a short prayer. And I'm going to hand over to Ali, who's going to be leading us through our first couple of songs together. Father God, we do thank you for this opportunity to praise the name of Jesus. We thank you for who he is. We thank you for what he's done. And we pray that you grant to us that sense of what he would be wanting to say to us this day in the here and now as we come to your word. We thank you that that is a living word relevant for all people of all nations and for all time. So we pray, lead us by your precious spirit. May we be conscious of his presence, whether we're here in a building or whether we're watching this uh, at home or on our phone or wherever. We thank you, God, that you are everywhere. So we trust that we would be conscious of your spirit's presence and power and leading. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today's reading is in three sections. Um, separate sections and the first bit is from Matthew 28 verses 16 to 20 and Rupert's going to read that first bit for us. The eleven disciples went to the hill of Galilee where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw or when they saw him they worshipped him, him even though some doubted. Jesus drew near and said to them I have been given all authority authority in heaven and on earth. Go tell all the peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. And the next reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 48. Then he said to them, These are the very things I told you about while I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the writings of the prophets and the Psalms had to come true. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and must rise from death three days later. And in his name, the message about repentance and the forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And the last reading from the Bible is from Acts chapter one, and it's verse number eight. It's quite a long verse, and Francis is going to read that. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Wasn't that fantastic? Hearing from Johnny, something off the back of the uh, outreach course that he's looking at, but also, I don't know about you, but didn't you get a bit of a lump in your throat when Francis and Rupert uh, were reading? I ought to include Laura in that as well, because she was quite good as well, wasn't it? Shall we give them a round of applause for that wonderful reading? That was wonderful, wasn't it? Okay, ready, steady, go! That's our theme for today. So without further ado, I have here a bright yellow shirt. But this isn't just any old bright yellow shirt. It has a number on the back with the infamous number 10. Now, the number 10 football shirt was worn by the likes of Pelé, Maradona, Zindini Zidane, Dennis Burkamp, and me. All world-class footballers in and of uh, their time. But my mind goes back to when I wore that particular shirt for an incredibly unique football team called Dorchester Community Church. It was eight years ago, and I was player manager for our church team. You can check that out on Google if you want to see how we got on. Uh, We entered the Saturday League, uh, the local uh, Dorset League, and uh, for our first season, all I can say would like to pass on is that our results were incredibly consistent in that bottom division five so strong were we as a team we held up the rest of the entire uh, league but as I was thinking about uh, th- those times which were fun times we would practice week by week in training we would then select a team we would decide upon a team formation we would go through a particular game plan on match day we would then get the players properly warmed up doing all the different exercises and routine and then it would be the real thing we'd have to get out there and do it to actually put the theory into practice and we went through that same routine week by week at half time probably two or three goals down to be honest there would be injuries there would be a few bruises and that was usually just uh, myself and Simon Burin you may well remember our, our youth pastor at the time there would be maybe one or two things by way of encouragement that we try and lift the spirits of the rest of the team but much more of the address at half time was on how we could keep the goal tally against us uh, down and there were things that we needed to adri- be, uh, be addressed usually by way of, of our defence no matter how many defenders we had it didn't seem to make any difference whatsoever there would then be of course what everybody looked forward to at halftime the sliced oranges we had these lovely refreshing sliced oranges and then we would get ready to go out for the second half for probably more punishment come on guys we could do this let's believe i wonder if that's in some shape or form similar to how we might feel or operate when we think about sharing our faith or ourselves being effective witnesses we know the theory we know how we ought to be and we try and put that theory into practice but very often after a lot of huff and buff uh, huff, huff and puff all we feel we've got to show for is some bruises some dents feeling a little bit disheartened a little bit down and maybe we're seeing this as an opportunity at half time for us receiving our sliced oranges some of you at home are going to be able to actually go out into the kitchen and get yourself a sliced orange we can't do that but there's that opportunity for us to take stock to regroup and remind ourselves of what we are to be about and those words that we had read to us brilliantly by the king family remind us of some of the important things that jesus said just before he left this earth before then ascending to 
heaven. So we can't ignore them. What we need to do is try to think, okay, what does all that look like? And what does that mean for ourselves in the here and now? Are we ready? Are we steady? Then go. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said these words in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And we think, wow. He makes it all sound so easy. But of course, he was the Apostle Paul at the end of the day. We shudder, don't we, with how hard it is maybe to put that into practice, especially when in the main, if we're honest, people don't want to know. It's great that we're here gathered here this morning. But as I look around, we are all churched people. There are signs on the doors. We've got a fantastic website, but basically most people don't want to know about what you and I would hold dear. However loving uh, we may well feel our God is. And we feel that sense of toughness, don't we? Sometimes maybe, well, I can't do this. I'm reminded of the chorus of a hymn that we sometimes sing. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and for leaving your Spirit until the work on earth is done. We're not left on our own. God's spirit is here for us. Whatever the debates may well be within Christendom over the person, the work and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of his primary roles is to help us reach people for Jesus so that mission impossible can indeed, maybe, just maybe, become mission possible. It must be possible because something led you to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And somewhere within your journey, there was probably someone who spoke to you about what their faith meant to them. So we don't just put to one side this whole subject. First thing I want to say is this, that we each of us have a role to play. We've got a role to play. Our theme, as I mentioned, is ready, steady, go. We need to be ready. We need to get ourselves all set. But then there is a time to go. None of us could ignore what Jesus said uh, to his followers in this, these post-Easter passages. Go into all the world, he says in Matthew chapter 28. The message, our message, will include repentance and forgiveness. Those are positive things that we have to actually offer to people, aren't they? But then as Francis so brilliantly reminded us, all of us as his followers are meant to be his witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. What he didn't say was how. Do you notice that? There's no description of how you and I might be a witness. And I think that's important that we just pause to take stock of that. Because for some of us, we can put two and two together when we read these passages and make five. Or we can think, oh, E, that dreaded E word for evangelism. Oh, no, I could never stand on a street corner on, a, on a, an orange box and proclaim the gospel to passers-by, only to be pelted with by the oranges that weren't eaten by the football team at Dorchester Community Church eight years ago. Don't know what they would look like by now. Jesus didn't tell everyone to stand on a street corner. Did he? He actually didn't tell anybody 
I'm not to saying that, that that's not appropriate, but he didn't actually say that anybody had to do that. What he did say is that we are to be witnesses for him. So our task that we're going to be thinking about today is about how and what that might look like. Now there are various ways that people did that in the New Testament. So we're going to be looking at some examples and see if maybe, just maybe, just maybe, there's something within what we see of the different methods that were there as practiced in the New Testament that could be maybe attractive for you and I. Not all of them, because we're all wired and shaped differently. And that is so important. As Johnny touched on, that whole thing of our being ourselves and having integrity. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel was what Paul's feeling was about his own calling in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. But he had a very specific role and he had very specific gifts. So this was what he was feeling about his own calling and his response if he didn't do that which God had specifically called him to. The principle for us here is that our calling, one of those for each and every believer, is that we're called to be a witness. So maybe if we were to sort of uh, paraphrase what Paul has said, for ourselves it would be woe to me if I don't seek to be a positive witness for him. Because that's what we've all been called as followers of Jesus to do. We've all got a role to play in that. And I hope today won't actually scare us so much as be a real encouragement to us. All of us. Even me. Because I don't find this kind of stuff easy. The whole sharing your faith thing. I think it's very difficult. Sharing our faith is not something that most of us find easy, is it? says everybody behind their masks there's a few shaking of the of the heads I can discern a shaking of a head a little bit better than whatever expletives may well be going on behind at your mask we are generally speaking still quite a reserved nation I think it may well be that we fear being seen as some kind of religious weirdo We may well fear people's reaction if we're going to say something about what we believe in. We might fear being accused of being non-PC if we're saying and declaring, well, we believe there is only one way that you can go to heaven. Or if we say there's only one way to God. We might fear not knowing what to say or fear maybe other people responding in a way that we feel we can't respond to. We don't have uh, the, the same sort of tools at our disposal. We might fear not having the answers to people's questions, and we don't want to look like an idiot. It's okay to look like an idiot. I have plenty of experience. Uh, it is okay. You will live to tell the tale the following uh, day. But there are all sorts of fears, aren't there? It may well be that we might fear rejection or you may well fear um, some form of exclusion or isolation if you nail your colours to the mask. Maybe there won't be that promotion that you are hoping for if word gets out in terms of what you believe. At the end of the day, it's far easier saying and doing nothing and getting the Tipex bottle out of the five areas when Jesus speaks about this great commission isn't it but we can't do that we take all or not all of God's word but maybe just maybe the early believers also struggled 
with what it meant to share their faith. Have you ever wondered about that? Sometimes we can put them on a a pedestal, can't we? There was this rapid growth and expansion of the early church. However, as early as Acts chapter 4, and we looked at this uh, yesterday in Cafe Church, they were then found praying and corporately together said these words as a prayer. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Why did they pray that if that was easy? Because they were finding it tough. They were aware of the persecution and the opposition and the difficulty to do just that, maybe. I wonder how often we have prayed that. God help me to have a little bit more bottle or however you would term that. That's a good prayer to pray. It's actually, as you can tell, a very biblical prayer to pray. We may have prayed for people who are not yet Christians to become Christians. That's okay. But it's not a biblical prayer. (gasps) What did he just say? Well, you can't really see any verse for that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if it stops there and stops short of our praying for boldness that we might tell, I think sometimes we're erring on the side of what might be a cop-out because it's maybe a little bit easier to talk to God than it is to talk to my neighbour. At least it is for me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. The Bible tells us to pray for opportunities to witness. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible tells us uh, to to pray for courage to speak up. In Romans chapter 1, verse 10. To pray for those who will believe in John chapter 17, verse 10. To pray for the rapid uh, spread of the Christian message in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. To pray for more to be involved in mission in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38. But not to pray for not yet Christians to become Christians. It's an okay thing to pray, but that's not all that our prayers in an evangelistic sense, should be to be about. The biblical pattern seems to recognise that this is tough. And what we should do is just be honest before God about it, that we don't find it easy, and to ask him for help. Probably top of my prayer list is, help! It's a very short prayer. I only kind of offer that one about daily. (laughs) Don't you? Or is the Christian life so much easier for you? Help! And one of those things that we wanted to ask God for is his help that we might be a little bit bolder. And shortly we're going to pray. We're going to pause to pray. And one of the things we're going to be thinking about is exactly just that. I wonder if Jesus twigged that we were going to find this quite tough. I think he did. Because in, in, Ma- in Mark's gospel, in chapter 13 and verse 11... This is what he actually assured his disciples. He said these words. He says, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Now, I might want to butt in and say, well, it's a bit too late for that. Thank you. But don't worry about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit. What an encouragement That is, isn't it? It's not about us trying to win arguments at all. It's not about us standing on a rooftop and waving a a flag saying you're going to, you know, you need to turn or burn. 
Far from it. It's about us trusting that there is one who is very much with us, who knows what we're like as being human beings. He wants to help us in our struggles. Salvation, at the end of the day, is a work of God, isn't it? By his spirit. We've just got that opportunity to partner with him. Asking for God's help. That's one of the things we do when we pray. So we're going to be still. And in that sense of silence, just bring your own thoughts to God now. Right where you are. And then Charlene is going to lead us in a time of prayer. Before we then sing again. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we can gather this morning to worship you. Thank you for your love for us individually, for comfort, protection, provision and forgiveness. We pray that we may learn how to work together as a church again as life progresses out of the pandemic, that people's hearts and minds be stirred to serve and link in together. Dear Lord, we give you our Hands to do your work, our feet to go your way, our eyes to see you better. Use our tongues to speak your words. Set our minds on your will. Teach our hearts to love you first and ourselves as others. Ignite the Holy Spirit in us and grow in us our lives, work and prayers. Lord, we often find the Great Commission difficult. Teach us how to share the good news and guide us in how and when. We often upset people when we go into full on and and we scare them away. Help us to listen and, and listen to you prompting us, Lord, to do it the correct way and not to ignore your voice when you say, that person today, say this. Help us to be brave and strong in doing this and sharing it. Help us to show that there's no requirements, no need to be perfect, that you do not want to harm us, but you want to give us a future, that there's nothing we should do, Lord, to, to be perfect and, and, and be turned away, but to encourage people and show the true self of how we can find joy, Lord, even in adversity. May we share in the guidance of your will so we don't repulse or scare people away. May those who do not know you see you in our lives, make others see the wonder of you. Help us to give and love and build other people up to reflect the joy and peace of your salvation. We pray that you will remove fear that surrounds us. Life seems to be uncertain and out of control. Your perfect love cast out all fear. Replace the fear with confidence and in your sufficiency. You never stumble or sleep. Or, you're just sort of always there, Lord, and we should trust in you that you will take care of us. We pray that you pour your wisdom onto us and help us to le- learn your promises. We pray for those known to us in struggle, illness, and despair. Strengthen and bring them joy in a place of where they feel that there is no hope. Be their hope. Loving Father, make our lives a window for your light to shine through and a mirror to reflect your love to all we meet. Thank you for the precious gift of salvation and may we share it with those who feel lost and broken. 
Be part of every moment of our day, Lord, and we ask all this in your precious and powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Drummer there for the complete hash-up at the start of that song, purely as a visual aid, because sometimes when we're thinking about sharing our faith, doesn't it all go wrong at the start? But in the end, when we keep going, it works out all okay. And some of you were then applauding as well. So the end result was all okay. So thank you very much uh, for the drummer, even though that was a complete mess at the start. Disastrous. Okay, back to looking at the subject that we're thinking about today. Ready, steady, go. Now, we were leaving it really at the theory stage, weren't we, first of all? But it's okay to not find this easy. After all, we've already seen that the early followers of Jesus, they were asking God for help. You know, it may well even be preferable for ourselves to not find this easy. Because if we don't find something easy, what do we do? We go back to God to ask him for help, don't we? If we find something easy, we tend to be less and less likely to ask for God's help. We don't need him, do we? Because we're pretty good at this. Thank you very much indeed. Now, of course, we don't process it quite like that. But those things in and of ourselves, we feel pretty confident about. Or assured in. Or we know we've got an ability for. Well, we're going to be naturally less likely to ask for God's help. So there's maybe more of me in that and less of God. Those things that we find tough, we think, God, I can't do this without you. And it may well be that sharing our faith is one of those things. I want to simply encourage you to be yourself. How can we be ourselves, but also at the same time, Reach out to others with the gospel, when for many of us that is a very tough thing to do. You don't need to be an extrovert. You don't need to be articulate. You don't need to know all the answers. I'm going to say that again, because those are the three of the biggest reasons that people give me for why they don't share their faith. So you need to know, you don't need to be an extrovert. You don't need to be articulate or to know all the answers. When we think about sharing our faith, we need to remove from our minds any unhelpful stereotypes of evangelism. And just think about who we are, how we've been wired, and how we can best be a witness, as Jesus commanded, but simply through being ourselves. As for what that might look like in practice, we turn, as we always should do, to this book, God's Word in the Bible. So, what do we find there? Well, there's a whole variety of ways that different people adopted in their own being themselves to get the gospel out there in some shape or form or to be used in particular ways. I'm going to mention three different approaches. I'm sure this is not an exhaustive uh, list by any means, but I hope that maybe one of these you'll think, oh, that, that is me. You mean that is also a way that I could share my faith? Yeah, if this resonates with you, then praise God. If there's more than one, then that's even better. So firstly, let's think about how we are relationally. Matthew, previously being a tax collector, what did he do? He had people over for a meal in Luke chapter 5, verse 29. There's power, isn't there, in food. 
and getting around a, a table together. Socially distanced, of course, but there is something that goes on when you're inviting people around for a meal. There's a spiritual gift of hospitality. That is not, this is not some sort of practical only task for those who are good at it. It takes time, takes effort, but it's important for us to realize that maybe some people will only be reached through people building relationships that are genuine relationships with them. And food is a great way of doing that. Now I know COVID has made that impossible over the last 12 months, but people are now eager to meet up, aren't they? Many of you have been eager to come here, not specifically so you could be in a church building, but so you could see and meet with and share with other Christian believers. And that's important. So why not invite somebody around for a barbecue? Outside, that's okay, isn't it? Or what about inviting a friend out for a walk? Or what about one couple meeting up with another couple and going for a walk and and ending up at a local pub for a glass of Ribena or whatever your particular tipple is? Often those kind of relationships can be a good starting point for building a bridge where over time, very often, Jesus has then walked across. Because for some of us, that would have been our story relationally without Matthew and anything being said overtly about what he may or may not have said he simply was willing to build relationships and have people over for a meal what about practically I think about the character of Dorcas in Acts chapter 9 verse 36 who had this incredible reputation for being a follower of Jesus but it says that she was always doing good and helping the poor And that was the way that she naturally chose to share her faith behind the scenes. Often maybe getting little uh, credit, people like that, isn't it? But they notice what others don't and they just get on and do something about it. And it could well be that practical expression of Christianity is very much you. Just feel released to be you in that regard. Some people will never be reached for Jesus unless they see God's work in action and feel cared for by what is done for them. And as someone once said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Practically, maybe that is a way that you can be you. What about academically? Okay, at this point, I look down. That's definitely not me. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, well, he was educated. He was respected. He knew what he was, uh, what he believed. And he was able to defend it and present truth in a logical fashion. Some people will never be reached unless they see that Christianity does not require blind faith, but actually is a reasonable faith that is and can be supported by historical, literary and archaeological evidence. And it may well be that that's the way that you have been wired in an academic sense. What about proactively? Back in Acts chapter 5 and verse 24, we read there that day after day and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the uh, the Messiah. That proactive sense of sharing uh, our faith. There are some people that will probably only be reached if we are going to go to them on their patch, whether that's a home or a place of work where you maybe already are. You could be the only Christian that person knows or will ever come into contact with. The Jesus video 
project was something I was involved in uh, years ago and scared the living daylights having to, to do this. But countless of the conversations on the doorstep, I'm not so sure that we're in that kind of era uh, so much uh, these days. That's a personal uh, opinion. I'm sure I'll get some emails about that. But what's the principle behind this? I think it's about going to where people are. Where are people's starting points? That could well be a neighbour that's just uh, kind of doing some some chopping of their shrubbery or something and you're the, the other side of the fence and it may well be the beginning of some form of conversation. Who knows? But proactively seeking to do. Or what about directly? Well, Peter, don't we love the character of Peter often putting his foot in it? He was bold. He was to the point. He didn't mince his words. It's no surprise that God chose Peter to be the person that stood up at Pentecost to preach God's uh, God's word. And people then were cut to the heart as they heard the gospel. And it was that that time and that season for them. There are some people that will only ever be reached If someone is willing to say to them, what about you? Where do you stand? I can remember my uh, links with a first ever church when I wasn't a a Christian. And, uh, and, And I was quite attracted to the Christian faith. But from this distance, as long as I could still do what I wanted to do and be how I wanted to be. And then there was a guy by the name of Gordon Shoal Rogers, who one day said, so, Roger, how are you feeling about Christian things? I've got to be honest, I wanted to punch his lights out. That was my immediate reaction. However, I then left that church, not as a result of that, but as a relationship and promises made, plans for two. That was more important. And I didn't go back for about three years. And the fear I had in going back was so intense. I only felt I could talk to two people about the mess that I was in. One of them was a guy called John. I played football with. The other guy, you're going to know who I'm going to say, aren't you? Was this guy, I have no idea where he is now, called Gordon Shoal Rogers. Now, I didn't know at the time, but he was then overseas uh, on mission work. But isn't it weird? Had it not been for him having the courage to put me on the spot, I might never have thought that. And some people are only ever going to be reached if there's that challenge at a right time put to them. Now, I'm not suggesting you invite somebody over for a cup of tea for the first time ever. And at the end of that cup of tea, saying, can I read John 3.16 for you and ask you, if you died tonight, where would you be going? Maybe not helpful. That's not what I'm meaning. But there is a time and a place for those people that are wired up like that to very gently and poignantly maybe sense a nudge of the spirit and put a challenge to people in a direct sense. Or what about through sharing your story? That's another means, a sixth means. Think about the man who was born blind and then healed. What was the theological debate he entered into? Nil. It did not exist at all. He didn't invite anybody to do anything. He just said what God had done for him when he was asked. And when he was put on the spot, could you remember that famous line that he came out with in John 9, 25? He says, well, don't know about that, but I'll tell you one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. 
And then when he had occasion later on, he said, and it was him over there that did it. What a testimony. My mind comes uh, immediately to a guy from my previous church called Terry. Terry wasn't uh, the most educated of of guys. Um, he, He wouldn't necessarily have known that the Old Testament was longer than the New Testament, probably even after he became a Christian. But through an Alpha course, Terry on his journey um, uh, came to know Jesus Christ. And, and Terry would have, would have got lost in the different Bible studies over the time. He didn't become a Christian until probably 70, something like that. But Terry was the best person ever to put on the door. And I guarantee whoever was at our church every single week, you would know that Terry would have at some point of, of time have told his story yet again about what God had done in his life. Incredible. Not a theological expert, not an outfront extrovert person, but a bubbly character, beaming smile. He's now with his Jesus that he loved. Simply telling his story. And some people are going to never be reached until they hear someone share. Well, look, let me just tell you what, what happened in my life and why this is true for me. And that for some people could be the very beginning of a journey. Wow, I thought it was all a head knowledge of some um, belief of something out there as opposed to a relational thing. And finally, through invitation, think about that scarlet woman that we know as, in better terms as the Samaritan uh, woman. Can you uh, bring your husband so we can have a chat, uh, says Jesus. And she, quick as a flash, says, I've not got a husband. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, you've had five. And the guy that you're living with and shacked up with now isn't your husband. <gasps> but what, where does that conversation lead? She says in John 4, 29, as she goes back into the community, she says, guys, you need to come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. She issued an invitation. Even though She would be collecting water at a time of day when no one else was around because she did not have a very good reputation. But people listened to that invitation because they could see this transformation with this woman, I suspect. They poured forth, gathered around this Jesus. We know that some of those people became Christians, followers of Jesus. Where did it all start? Through an invitation. Some of us are very good at that. Probably most of us who are not. I'll embarrass uh, somebody now who probably in my time here has been the best person to invite people here up for events. It's Louise who sat at the back. Whenever there was an Alpha course or something like that, uh, Louise would say, oh, I've got three or four people that are coming to the Alpha supper. I don't know how she did that. She just had that way of, well, I, I just invited somebody and they, and they said they'd come. Now, of course, what I tend to think is, yes, but if I invited somebody, they wouldn't come. So I won't invite them. Are they more likely to come if we don't issue an invitation? Or you know where I'm going with this. We are in a very strange season right now, aren't we? This building that we've waited 40 years to be in, we've now not been able to be in until now. It just may well be, as we're in this new season, that the words of Isaiah... And chapter 49, chapter 43 may well come true of that sense of us not dwelling on the past, but see, says God, I am doing a new thing. May that new thing be bubbling up within some of us that involves an invitation to somebody that you've never, ever invited to church. 
Oh, it's not going to be what, what you may well think. And yeah, there's social distancing. Yeah, you've got to wear a funny mask. And yeah, you can't sing. But why don't you come and check out what we're about? Just make it really low key. And then suggest you're going to go out for lunch or whatever it is afterwards. Why not? Why not ask God? For some of you, I'm not pushing anybody in this direction so much as those of you that would find that comfortable, if that's the way you're wired. Why not give that to God and see what God might do? For some people, the only uh, way that they're ever going to come is through an invitation. That's how it started with me. Guy, when I was doing uh, my, uh, my A-levels that I failed and then refailed. Um, but out of that, I met a guy called Richard Kilbride, whose dad was a pastor. And he was banging on about his dad and his faith every single day. He got mocked uh, like crazy by the rest of the, the, the guys at class. And I was one of them. And then one day after his continually saying, well, why don't you come? Why don't you come? So I said, I'll come once if you promise to then shut up and never bang on about that again. Famous last words. That was the start of my journey. An invitation. I'd mocked this guy. And the result, well, here I am. Through an invitation. There are seven different ways that people in scripture have shared their faith. None of them shouting on a, uh, on a street corner at all but each through being themselves. And that, I think, is the encouragement, isn't it? Jesus, remember your Jesus, he has saved us from sin. That is amazing. He's brought us into God's family. He's given you, he's given me his spirit. He's promised us eternal life. He's recruited us to work for and with him. That is an incredible privilege, isn't it? We're not deserving of that status, but he gives it to us. But there's a not only come to Jesus, but a go for Jesus. That's what the Great Commission is about. In fact, it's so important that scripture speaks of it on five occasions. In Matthew 28, as we heard, Mark 16, verse 15, in Luke 24, as we heard, John 20, 21, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as we heard. What do we deduce from that? I think it's this. Regardless of whether or not I want to get out my tippet bottle or not, God wants us to get this. Repetition is used in scripture very often to big up a very important point and ram it home. And one of those things is that we're not meant to just receive in our having come to Jesus, but we're then to seek and work through prayerfully. What does that mean in terms of my being a witness for him? The great commission should never become the great suggestion. It's a great commission. Our wrestling really should be about how we should do this, not whether or not we should. And I'll be honest, that's what I struggle with still, nearly 40 years on from having made that commitment. Paul said, how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? So plan A, Jesus says, is will you go and tell? You go and share. What's plan B? There isn't one. There isn't one. Now, okay, God can go zap, zap, zap. And I know that we've all read stories, I'm sure, where God has done that. But the plan A 
for making this Jesus known is through the likes of you and me. The best thing that we can give anyone is a taste of God's love, isn't it? But let's remember and not forget this. Don't try and be someone that you're not. Whilst it's important that we understand how others are wired, and that is going to differ, they're not going to necessarily match how we are, God wants us to be true to the way he has made you. Remember that kid's song? And I just thank you, Father, for making me me. Making me me. Not somebody else. Be yourself and ask that God might enable you to be the best you that you can be. And in case you're watching this at home and you're thinking, are you out to trap me because you're not yet a Christian or you're unsure of what you believe? Why is it that we're thinking of ways to tell you that you should have this relationship with God? It's because there's some element of God's heart and love that we felt that we want you to experience. God's word says that he desired that none should perish, but that everyone should be saved. We don't want you to go to this lost eternity. We don't want you to have to pay the punishment for your wrongdoing. And the good news is you haven't got to because someone else has stepped into your place and taken that punishment upon themselves. But you'll have to forgive us. We just find it really, really tough knowing how best to communicate the best story ever told with people like you. So do be patient with us when we bumble along, when we get things wrong, or we say words that you haven't got a clue what we're on about because we forget we're just speaking jargon. And in case you're tempted to ever think when you listen to a Christian talk about their faith, oh, I wish I could have your faith. Do you know the good news is that you can. There's no special formula. But by way of simplifying what this good news is about, we very often use an ABC here where we encourage people that three things that matter most is that sense of admitting something that's wrong, where we failed our own standards, let alone God. But we've also come to that place of believing that this Jesus died to forgive us from our wrongdoing. So instead of us being punished, he took our place to forgive us so that we could go free. The B is to believe. And the C is that we commit ourselves to this Jesus. He's given everything for us. And the C is the challenge to commit ourselves to him. We know and reap the rewards of that the moment we step out in faith. If you'd like to know more about that, there's a section on our website that's called How to Become a Christian, something like that. If you've got any questions, fire them in uh, through our, our homepage on our website. We'd love to chat with you further. God bless you. Thank you so much uh, for listening. We've got an opportunity now to respond to God in song. A couple of songs and then make sure the kids are ready because Claire has got a very special message that she's got for you. Also a challenge. So you better get ready and set to go. <laughs>